Hello and welcome to Dungeoneered, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do this. So Josh, we're kind of still in the middle of this little lukewarm open series that I'm doing. That's just like, we're making a, we got no time to make a campaign, but we want to make one anyways. Four people came to us. They were like, make a campaign. We want to play D&D. And so we sit down without any world building, without anything, and make a campaign, or at least a few sessions. And so we currently have the party travels and sees like an airship crash and kill pretty much everybody on board except for one person and that person hands them some sort of item um this item is then i don't want to say wanted but somebody in the town that is nearest by wants this item and ends up saving them maybe not saving them but helping them out in some sort of difficult situation they find themselves in within the town no so what happens is uh this person who wants it is one of the first people to arrive at the scene and he or she is a well-known person in the community. When they get there, um, the the guards get there. They see these people just coming out of looking at or going into kind of the the to check if anybody was alive. But for them, they believe, oh, they probably shot it down, and now they're just picking through the rubbish, the the wreckage. This person vouches for them, says no. They didn't do it because he knows that or she knows that if they get in jail, he's not going to be able to find the item. My, so he needs my they, really quick they need to follow issue them. that I have is why wouldn't he just like kill the party at the ship if he shows up on the scene? Is because he shows they're up showing up at the at pretty much the that? exact same time as the guards. Oh, OK, so, so he, he wasn't going to kill the guards, the guards and ruin his reputation. Got it. OK, so. For this little uh, lukewarm open, I want to create a combat because we've never really done that at all. We've never really sat down and built a combat. And it might not be the most interesting, but if it's short, it's short. But um, I kind of want to build, like sit and build a combat. And I think the first question we have to ask is what, what level, level is the party? Our, yeah, what level do we want the party to be? Five. Five? Is that like your favorite, favorite uh, level for a party? Like no. that kind of in that mid range. I mean, it's just it's a nice mid range. Yeah, it has a lot of options. It has a lot of options when it comes to monster types, that kind of stuff. Okay, so I mean, I'm totally fine with them being fifth level. So then, the next question is, what do we? Where do we see this combat taking place, and what happens at this combat? Is it at the airship? Do they have to fight things at the airship before the guards come? Is it on the let's way? Like, does be, the guy let's have who, this be? Um, afterwards so they they're leaving the city they get attacked by by what they think are just random bandits but they're actually people trying to kill them hired by this guy so this guy hires them hires a group of people to fight the party after they're leaving the town yeah okay okay my thought would be is there any way we can make it like before the town or earlier like so what if he i guess the guards would escort them back though so there wouldn't really be a a, way, a need to do that yeah i think it would be interesting if like he meets them there you know they have the item that he wants and then he runs back to the town before they get there to send his squad out to fight them but if they're with the guards then it wouldn't make sense it would probably yeah. have to be after yeah like so there's ways the to get it to happen town. before but we would need to change the idea of the story and we don't have time to do that 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay, totally fine. So they, why do they leave the town and they still have the item in their possession, I'm assuming, right? That's that's the idea? Mm-hmm. Do they have any, do we want to give them anything that um, they have to go somewhere with this item? Or is it just they just keep this item for a little bit? Keep the item for a little bit. Like, they were told, like... I don't know what they were told. Maybe it's like meet this person or whatnot. So they have to, they're just like, we have no idea where this person is or even if we want to deliver this. So we're just going to hold it while we do our, our normal stuff. And maybe they run into them. Whatever, whatever happens then is a long ways away. Cool. Okay. I like this. So they head out of the town and they are ambushed by a group of bandits. So here's my question to you. How do we make this an interesting combat? And what exactly would we want these bandits to be? Do we want them just to be normal, like normal bandits, normal humanoids, like level, you know, three characters or whatever, or like from the monster manual, the bandit stuff? Or are we doing something different and special? I mostly use stat blocks from the game. Um, I use the DD so- Beyond uh, Encounter Builder, which is really well balanced. Um, and I go up to I make sure all my encounters are deadly but like just barely not super deadly just just barely in the deadly range because that always provides a good challenge for my party now i do have to be a little bit of um behind the scenes kind of um uh knowledge (laughs) no not not adjusting um i just have to have a knowledge myself of like if i look at a stat block i can tell immediately if i'm like no that would destroy my players like, so there is a little bit of actual, like, game knowledge that is required to kind of set up these kind of hard encounters that are not going to destroy your party. Okay, no, yeah, oh, for sure. Because um, I know, like, in 5th level, so if we if we take 5th level, for example, and we, at least reasonably, you throw them against one CR5 monster, like we've kind of talked about before, it's not going to go well. They're going to absolutely destroy it, right? It's, it's not even going to be a contest. So I think what... I want this combat to be interesting, not necessarily in the way that the mechanics work, but in what they fight. So I love the idea of them fighting like a bunch of bandits, right? So we're talking like five or six bandits, but I want there to be something that's with them that is a cause for suspicion. Does that make sense? What do you mean? So that it kind of like it, something that it, that encourages the players to think like, well, why was this here? Well, that's easy. They okay. have a oh, spellcaster. Oh, oh. They have a spellcaster with them that is of the magic university of the area. That a, like a it spellcaster. does like this is like a rich magic school. Like there is no reason for one of these rich magic students to be working as a bandit. Like that would that doesn't happen. Which would immediately give we... the people the suspicion of these are not normal bandits or bandits at all. And have the guy be like a, a super um like supporter of this school so he gives them a lot of money yeah maybe like a uh like a like a donor like a like a big donor Mm-hmm. interesting interesting so my issues that i have with that is a spellcaster is fun and is interesting but like to me and this might be me thinking but it's like almost a, a too direct connection does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because, like, oh, spellcaster from the university, who is the, you know, I guess they could blame the university as well. But 
I want, yeah, I like the idea of having a connection or like something that's there that makes the party think like, well, why are these people, you know, what is, why are these people with what they have? Um, is there anything else outside of us? Like, is there anything that you can think of like outside of like a human, like a humanoid, like a humanoid race? And maybe like, I mean, the obvious classic example would be like a mind flare, but you know, that's, that's way uh, you know, way outlandish, but something that's like not necessarily a Sorry, direct so giveaway. What is this? But something that is what, like is. This oh, I'm like just trying to think the, of. Are you saying one of the creatures fighting one of the people fighting them is this? Yeah, or like yeah, one of the creatures fighting them is this, or they control one of these things, or something along those lines. Because I mean, you I could, want it to be. If you want it to be something that they're controlling, then you could have it be a blink dog. And like have like blink dogs be like hard to tr- like like n- you had to be super rich to own a blink dog type thing, and so bandits would never have them, or make one of the enemies a doppelganger, or make all the enemies lead back to an oblex. I like the idea of of bandits having tools that they wouldn't necessarily have access to throughout the world. That money has bought them that doesn't seem to make sense so maybe so i was never thinking of these people as bandits i think they're dressed up as bandits i think they're assassins agreed 100 percent agreed that's 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 what i'm thinking as well and so i think it'd be interesting that like you know they're dressed up as bandits but they're some of them maybe have like you know muskets or something right like something that doesn't make sense and then like i love the idea of maybe magical creatures like a blink dog that um, normal people just don't have or don't have access to mm-hmm. or train. Or death dogs. I've used those in my campaign. Um, and death dogs, they're like, you know, I think mutated. they might be a little high <laughs> uh, CR. Blink death dogs, dogs are one-fourth. Yes, yeah, uh, I guess they're only one. Death dogs are one, I think. Yeah, they yeah. are CR one. I'm looking it up right now. And so it could be really fun if they have... Or even See, like a when, hellhound. When I think hellhounds death, are like yeah, CR5, exactly. Right? That's what that's what I was mixing them up with. Death dogs are just the two-headed dogs. I thought they were the two-headed mm-hmm. fire-breathing dogs, which they are not. That's a hellhound. That's a hellhound. But it could also be interesting to have a hellhound too. How strong are they in D and D? What's their What's their uh, CR? It's like five or th- a hellhound is three, so it would be doable. Three. So I think it'd be really fun if we had like six bandits, and a hellhound and maybe like two death 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 dogs i mean it's a pretty pretty brutal combat but i think it's what definitely... if it's what if it's one what do you mean what if it's one bandit and he's not even fighting like he stands off in the distance he just kind of does this whistle and then a hellhound uh death dogs and a blink dog show up what if what if instead of a bandit it's him, the guy and he's like disguised and he whistles these dogs that would work too i was kind of hoping that i would i would want to give them a chance of catching this bandit Mm. because i I Mm. think the idea of of like what like what are you doing who are you like them questioning this person would be an interesting encounter if they can catch him yeah no i definitely i think i yeah i definitely agree um yeah so maybe like a yeah bandit of it'd be interesting too if they could if you made it somebody that they were like, maybe this guy's like assistant or something, right? Or something, somebody that was like they've seen before with him, 
See, I don't want to give. I don't want to give it away like, immediately. I don't want to give it away. I think. I think they have to much. either roll a persuasion check to get that kind of knowledge of who this person is, or like, like I, I don't want to give it away without them having to do something. Yeah, I mean, my thought would be like maybe it's like somebody who's like lesser known in his like office or his you know like um or in his like little personal guard troop or something that you know you don't really mention too much in the beginning Mm -hmm. you just describe like what his guards look like or like a guard that you know kind of looks like and then if they if they remember the description that you gave of you know these two random guards that were with him and you describe this person again and if somebody maybe had taken notes or they like (laughs) you know had remembered then it would be a reward of like oh well wait wait this description kind of matches at least a little bit the one that you know, maybe we were given beforehand that wasn't super important. That could be an interesting thing, but that also could give it away really easy. So I think I'm okay with either really, like just a random bandit that he hired, a random dude he hired. Um, do you think you would like include like a, a letter or a note on him? I don't think like he's if that the party stupid. chases him down. Yeah, but I don't think it would. I don't think it would be like his signed name, but it would be like a writ of like purchase or a writ of like. Um, I, like I an think agreement that he was hired. I, I, I would say have it be a writ of ownership for the dogs and have them be like some ridiculous price. Like crazy. Like you're like, there is no way some random bandit had the money to buy these thousand gold piece dogs or whatever. You could also do along these lines, you could also do like some sort of weird magical collars that like dissolve and break when the creature dies or something. So like there was some sort of magical trinket that was used to control these creatures that you normally couldn't be able to control. Mm -hmm. And that would also kind of be like a, wait, that doesn't make any sense. That has to be something that has to be something that is, uh, you know, outside of this guy's, um, ability to own. So either of those, I think works really well. What do we see? Uh, just really quick, because I know it's going to start getting long, but what do we see, um, like, the the terrain of this combat? Do we see it like they're walking through, like, a forest. valley, and he whistles, and these dogs, a forest? That's what I was always picturing. What if we did, what if you did, like, a, because, um, like, if you're trying to set up an ambush, um, like, if, if I'm in the mind of the person who's trying to ambush these people, I'd want it to be in a place where, like, they couldn't escape, they would, you know, or have the least options to escape, so maybe like a, a wooded forest that kind of goes through like a maybe a canyon or like a a riverbed or like a something like that. And so that they're kind of trying to cross and then these dogs come running and attacking them could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a cliff where they get stuck in like a little cliff, like a little uh, like next to a cliff and they can't really escape but fight these dogs. I think that would be interesting too. So cool. All right. I think that's going to be it for me. Cool. Um I think that's uh, I think that's our little combat, and I think that will you know give them a little bit of a challenge, give them a little bit of intrigue, where it's like, well, who the heck is this guy, and why does he have these things under his control? And then uh, you know continue the party onward. Yeah. Well, onto the topic this week, we are talking about an individual known as Eliath Kralnuber. His character in this story is from the book by Elaine Cunningham called Elf Shadow released in 1991, and it is the first book in a series called Songs and Swords. So just spoiler warning for that. He was a very interesting individual, this Eliath Kralnaber. Now, I didn't need to say his full name again, but I wanted to because that last name is 
confusing. It is. <laughs> it's C R A U L N O B E R. Crawl number. Crawl number. He is a. I wonder what, what that. What is? Wonder the origins of that are. What the heck? He is a moon elf adventurer slash crime lord that resides in Waterdeep. He is an infamous rogue, but he is. He was not always so. He was actually born a noble in the island elven nation of Evermeet. Evermeet. Evermeet? M-E-E-T, not M-E-A-T. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, even still, it's weird. <laughs> Evermeet is going to be our topic next week, so hopefully it's not too weird. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Evermeet started as a bunch of elves deciding that they wanted to literally take some land from elven heaven our Vandor and bring it to the material plane and use it as a sort of homeland for elves. They'd protect it and isolate it from the rest of the world. It's, it's a crazy idea and really interesting location. And so we're going to talk about it next week. This elven realm that became a stronghold of the elves through wars and other events was where Elaith was born and raised, and he rose to the position of captain of the king's guard and was even betrothed to the princess Amnestria. In the end, he was given an artifact of the elves that he was inheriting from his grandfather. This item was called a moon blade. There are quite a few different moon blades, and they're all very powerful. This moon blade rejected him, seeing as he was evil of heart, even though he'd done nothing bad up until this point, it could see like his true feelings in his heart. This disgraced him in the eyes of the elves, and he was shamed for it, losing his betrothal, and in sorrow, he went to Waterdeep, leaving his home. No, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Quite question, okay, wait. Yeah. I I mean I know we've done stuff on Waterdeep, and Waterdeep is a pretty crime ridden city, right? Uh, it kind of goes through phases, and even though, like, right now, where the current timeline is in Waterdeep history, it is ruled by, the, the crime is one group, and that group is incredibly violent and devastating to any other criminals that try to set up shop. So, yes, it is crime-ridden, but it's focused. Hmm, okay. And it's all under Xanathar, who wrote Xanathar's Guide to Everything. What is he? He's a is he is he a he's beholder? a beholder. Yeah, he's a beholder that yeah, has yeah, yeah. a goldfish that he loves, oh, yeah. and literally the goldfish has died like probably like fifteen times because goldfish don't live very long, but they can't let no. they can't no. let Xanathar know that he's died, so they just kind of quickly switch it out, and they have a bunch of goldfish <laughs> that look like that <laughs> goldfish true. on the side because he would go I mad they would just raise him from the dead because <laughs> he would go mad and destroy the world or at least destroy Waterdeep if he knew that this creature died in in um i think it's the um the first encounter um Waterdeep Dragon Heist or something like that you 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 Xanathar is a major player in that um and there are rules written in that they like a whole section on this is what Xanathar will do if his fish dies. So killing his oh, fish... Oh, it's probably not great. Oh, no, it's not. Killing his fish is, one, is, is actually a strategy to do... To, <laughs> to, 
to, in that in that once in that uh, campaign. You murder uh, his goldfish. Yep, just so that he goes mad and you can, yeah, take advantage of it. That's got to be pretty hard, though. I can't imagine he's probably keep, probably keeps close eye on it. Yeah, it's definitely a heist to get in there. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> he surprisingly began to enjoy his time in Waterdeep. As he never realized all the restrictions that he'd had previously on his life, the freedom that he had in Waterdeep was incredible. And during this time, he became a rogue and fell in with a band of mercenaries called the Company of the Claw. This was an even further separation between his past life and him, his current, and he reveled in the kind of freedom that he had in this mercenary group. After his first Moonblade rejected him, he became obsessed, searching everywhere for a functioning Moonblade, determined to have one. He gathered information on every hoard of wealth and magic that he could hear that he could find. He even went so far as to use a spell not in fifth edition called Mind Ream, and extracted knowledge forcefully from people's minds to learn as much as he could. Do, do I know there's a lot of different moon blades, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. and do they all do different things, or yeah. do they all do the same thing? They all do different things, slightly different. Okay. Um, another person who we're literally about to meet, Aralyn Moonblade, has another Moonblade that does different things than his. Got it. Okay. Cool. Um, eventually his spies began to increase, like the people that he was having kind of look for all of these other hordes of wealth. Uh. And they got to such number that he needed to have more help managing it. And just in almost no time, he began to kind of build an empire of crime. And his reputation began to grow as a merciless assassin and a intelligence um, source, as he was, he seemed to always know what was going on around. He even, they even, he was so well known that a bard even wrote a ballad about him called silent strikes the serpent now at this point he ran into two interesting individuals Erolyn moonblade and danilo thon when they came to waterdeep Arlen was actually amnestria's daughter the princess that he was originally betrothed to and but amnestria had gotten herself exiled and changed her name so i didn't say that he knew so he might not even know that that person was technically the daughter of the person he was originally betrothed to. Oh, interesting. That's awkward. Yeah. Erlen had gotten a moonblade passed down to her from her mother. Arlen and Danilo were on a mission to discover a killer known as the Harper Killer, which we talked about the Harpers previously. The Harpers are like a, uh, a guild of do-gooders. That kind of uh, worked throughout all of Faerun. And the Harper killer murdered them, is what yes. you're telling me? Yeah, he, he was killing Harpers uh, across Faerun as well. And so they were oh, like, we got to find I out love. who is killing all these Harpers. And they were on the mission. Now, there's a... I love me some, a good murder mystery. <laughs> there's some interesting things where uh, Danilo was originally sent to just keep an eye on Arlen. And Arlen accidentally uh, took him hostage and forced him to come with her to Waterdeep. And so he was keeping an eye on her. (laughs) 
but she forced him to come with her and he was like he and so she like kept him wrapped up and, and kept a blade to him like oh i gotta stop him from running away he never wanted to run away he was keeping tabs on her <laughs> he was, it was just kind of a crazy <laughs> random happenstance they just he was at a bar watching her and she took him hostage <laughs> that's so awkward <laughs> i mean it made your his job way easier oh for sure but also you know i don't even know like if i was in that situation if i was like paid to watch someone and they like ended up abducting me and kidnapping me you're like hey i'm <laughs> so keeping an awkward. eye on them no matter what you told me you you told me to keep an eye on her you didn't tell me how yeah <laughs> now danilo was a water davian a water what a water Davian. So it means he's from Waterdeep. That's oh, just okay. what they're called. They're called Water Davians. Uh, so he knew the tales of Elaith and didn't trust him. But in the end, it was proven wrong as Elaith used his skills and influence to help them learn that the assassin was actually after Arlen's blade, since it had magic in it that allowed it to teleport to Evermeet, though it was currently broken. In the end, Altogether, they defeated the Harper assassin and stopped him learning, uh, stopped him learning that he planned to usurp the throne of Evermeet and had been killing off survivors of the royal family. Later in life, Danilo Thawne and Alaith sought a powerful artifact. Despite still hating each other, they adventured together with another group to get this artifact. With their party, they were able to get to it. And in the end, Alaith tried to steal it, but Danilo was able to convince him by reminding him of their deal and all that they had done together. And soon after, Alaith actually ended up defending Danilo from harm, becoming gravely wounded in the process. Oh, no. Now, the artifact that they were getting was a special harp, and they both had their own reasons for getting it. Um... Alaith had just had a child and wanted to use the harp to rebuild his Moonblade so that he could give it to her. Give it to his child? Well, I mean, when she grew up, like, have it have it be oh. a thing that... Not just, like, give it to his infant child. Happy first birthday! <laughs> Here's your very own Moonblade. Danilo sought it to, to uh, stop a sorceress that was wreaking havoc. When they got it, Alaith restored his Moonblade, and in doing so, had it when he was gravely wounded in this in defending Danilo. This act of saving Danilo gained Alaith the worthiness that he previously lacked, and he was he activated his Moonblade, and in doing so, it healed him, preventing his death. Now. Alaith did more things, and there's more stuff I could talk about him uh, with his like weapons and powers and abilities and whatnot. But I think we should stop there. And I, originally, I was going to have the topic was going to be about all three Arlen Moonblade, Danilo Thon, and Alaith. But once I started researching Alaith, I was like, there is so much stuff here. I don't think I could do all three. Do I don't all think that's that possible. No. Yeah. So. So then I my what I want us to create is an adventuring party, because I think it's always fun when you because I mean, the whole idea of these D&D &D worlds is that they're full of adventuring parties. So you're just 
one of many. And I think it's really fun to have another interesting, weird, backstoried adventuring party that your party meets partway through. Now, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh... Well, maybe not. I was going to say it's a major spoiler, so I probably won't. So never mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's major, major spoilers. Uh, and you no, know no, no, the spoilers, no, no. but oh, the I audience do. Okay. might not know the spoilers. Yeah, you absolutely know the spoilers, but the audience might not. And it involves Critical Role, but I think I'm not going to. Oh, it's Critical Role. Okay, I'm never mind. To... Yeah. <laughs> never I mind. I tell us more gonna, about your campaign. That. I thought I was going to learn well, stuff was... ahead of the other party. Oh, no. And I, was I do have some pretty you. fun adventuring parties that happened in campaign one but um nothing that's been like a major theme or element within any of my campaigns have you had any cool adventuring parties in your group that you're i i did you guys have discovered um, and they kind of came up occasionally after that and uh it, it, it was really sad it, i mean i'm laughing but it was really sad because um so it the adventuring party was if you've ever uh seen full metal alchemist or read it uh Heck yeah i had a wizard that was pretty much armstrong oh no oh no. and he was fantastic he was so good he was a goliath it was it was fantastic and he was traveling with another wizard actually i think yeah it was another wizard um and the wizard other wizard was like kind of younger kind of an apprentice of his the next time they met the party it was just the armstrong character because the kid died. <laughs> oh, oh no! Whoa, whoa! That took a dark turn. Yeah. Um, and then later on, they hear this loud crack across the sky, and they're like miles away from where it happened. But they hear this, and later on, they hear news of this adventurer had done this thing, and that's what that crack across the sky was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it was it was actually I think, like calling forth a historical giant weapon from actual D and D lore. Oh dang! It was like a giant's weapon that, that it's <laughs> it was super powerful. And I, I wasn't sure how I was gonna your arm. What your Armstrong character wizard? Did you like flavor his spells like like he would punch the air or something oh, and they would shoot? A oh fireball? no, he would like yeah, like he would throw a, he would throw uh, rocks into the air, punch them, and they would turn into the, the <laughs> catapult like the spell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get everything awesome. he did. Everything about. he did was flavored like Armstrong. Did he have a lot of? Did he actually have a lot of strength or no? Oh yeah, <laughs> so that's so great. I need to make a I need to make a wizard who's who's a buff wizard. He was fantastic, but so he called this like legendary giant or uh, artifact axe, and you're supposed to just be able to say these words of like, like this come to me, like this. It's this whole poem thing, and if you say it in your time of need, and you're a giant, you he, it will come. Ah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And so, since he was a half giant, he was able to do it. When he was about to the die. Only, um, it's called man, Sky Cleaver. The only... Did you say it was called the Sky Cleaver? Yes. It's a pretty cool name. Is it actually... It's an actual D&D item? Yes. This and so here, let me just... Is. Let me just read what it can do, because I had to level this into my game, and it was... It, it, we had some fun moments with it. Um, Sky Cleaver was said to be able to cleave anything, both physical and non-physical. 
For example, Uh-oh. not only could it cut through any material, but also it could separate the truth of a matter from the falsehood. <laughs> what? How does that work? Uh, yeah. So the the uh, player would have to just declare what he's trying to cut. So like he would meet people that were possessed of demons or whatever, and he would say, "I'm going to try and cut the possession." And so he would have to roll to beat the uh, the the AC of the of the thing. And in every time he severed a uh, a connection, he took a level of exhaustion. Even if he failed, even if he didn't hit the AC, he still took a level of exhaustion. And it was we had some fun That's moments. It was never overused. It was actually it was it could have gone really bad. It didn't. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things I could do that would really uh, ruin the campaign. <laughs> it was given to a player who I knew wouldn't destroy because he, he was only he, he was the only half giant that we had in our campaign as a player. Then you could you know you you could do some fun things uh like you know he's a half giant so he can only like do half of the things that the blade does. You could have done something like that too. But anyways. The only adventuring party I've had, so I did a, I mean, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I did a thing called Champions Clash, where it's like you fight an arena against a bunch of people. Yes, and we have talked about this. If you survive, you win. Yeah, so I had a pretty fun adventuring party that was a reoccurring thing that they met during um, Champions Clash. So that was fun, because they got to like, they got to go through a whole entire like dungeon with them. They got to fight them in Champions Clash. They beat them barely. It was a really cool combat. The only reason they even won uh there was still four members of that adventuring party left i can't remember what they're called like the oh i can't remember what they were called but are the briarwood the briar the briar briar gang or i don't remember anyways but um they in spell clash or in champions clash the only reason they beat my party or like our party beat their party was because um one of my players anna um all four of the um adventuring party was still alive and all of the pcs were down except for one mm-hmm. but she cast a clutch sleep spell because they were all low and they all fell asleep That's awesome. <laughs> so she rolled really well and all the uh the adventuring party the entire adventuring party fell asleep and she was able to re- revive all of her friends and then uh did i ever tell you about my them. fantastic players sleep use of the sleep spell no so my, they just cast darkness on an area. The two enemies that were in front and behind him both could see through it, but he couldn't. And he was just yep. devastated. He was just, he was, he was like, I'm going to die. I have to do something. I have to like get these guys off me. I have to do something that hits both of them and gets them to stop. He knew they were already pretty beaten up as he saw that before he, um, before the darkness was cast. So he's like, okay, I'm going to cast sleep. And so he does overtop himself so that he hits both the one in front and behind he had the lowest hit points out of the three of them uh. <laughs> <laughs> so he put himself to sleep but there was the darkness and by the time he woke up the darkness was gone so he so nobody saw that he put himself to sleep <laughs> but we all in the <laughs> meta know and he put he put the other two asleep too he put the two bad guys asleep no the bad guys no they were fine <laughs> that's so awkward because it it killed him. it had enough hp to hurt him but not enough to get <laughs> i love i love i love that kind of stuff that either those really fun clutch plays or like the really awkward funny <laughs> yeah, it funny didn't quite work out expect. type thing 
Yeah, ours was a really hype moment because they were like going to lose. It was 4v1. She was really hurt. Um, and they were all kind of in the arena. There was like a bunch of like broken buildings and like pillars and, you know, like terrain to hide behind. And they had all kind of like hid in this building and were kind of like using it as like a bunker. Mm-hmm. And uh, she cast it right inside the building and got all of them and they all fell unconscious. It was so good <laughs> by like two HP or something like that. All of them fell unconscious. It was super, super epic. And then they end up winning, winning and getting a ton of money. That's awesome. Yeah. And then they found those guys like over and over again in the campaign um, a few different times, finding different items and loot and stuff like that. So it was really fun. But I have never had anything that was like, you know, a major thing for adventuring parties. So I think this might be kind of fun. I don't even have that much like back, like uh, even in my my world right now, I don't really have a lot of famous adventuring parties. I have famous people that have done incredible things, but I don't really have a lot of adventuring parties. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking? What do you think these guys did? What do you think they are doing? Old time, dead time, alive time, young? What are, what are, what I think they're alive. I don't, I don't, I, I was thinking more ones that would be like, um, current. Well, I, I was more meaning that they would like, uh, they would parallel the party. So they'd be around the same age and same. Okay. But maybe, I mean, you could either, you could either do it in a way of, oh, they're the same age, but they've also done like 30 things more than you have. And they're like well-known and well-respected throughout the world. And you guys aren't, or you could do a, uh, they're the same level as you guys. I kind of want, so I have never done this in a campaign, but I think it'd be really, really fun to do like an adversarial adventuring campaign, like an adventure adventuring group campaign, where like to unite you have, all people within uh, our nation to protect the world. What was that? To protect the world from oh, devastation no. and unite all people no. within our nation. No, no, no. Like no. an adversarial that's group not, that's that not kind right. of continually not tries right. to steal their animals and yeah, yeah, take their and take their cute little yellow mouse. Yeah. <laughs> nope 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 no but i think it'd be really fun to do like a i don't know what would that situation look like though what would a party be doing like what would like is it just like they get adventuring jobs and these groups are there with them or is it like they're i was like i was like the um uh your group takes a job your group goes to do the job and then suddenly runs into somebody who also was given the same job and like that's not supposed to happen, so there's not a precedent for what should be done. So whoever can bring it in first will just get the reward for it. That's always awkward. <laughs> it is because it was some sort of bureaucratic error somewhere, and you, so it's hard to fight against is, that. I was I'm gonna I was gonna ask, and I know this is not really creating anything at the moment, but um, do you? Oh man, I lost the question i had it do you something help me believe in santa claus when i thought i had grown too old <laughs> for such a yeah. childish rhyme oh, oh this is gonna bug me well i don't have the question anymore so i guess i guess we move on guess we move on oh no <laughs> well, as my parents would always say, it would always infuriate me. Well, if you can't remember, I guess it wasn't that important. 
Yeah, I used to, my my parents used to say that too. And it's used to drive so irritating. It's so rude. It's so and annoying. Your par- they're your parents. You can't say. You can't be like, no, screw you. <laughs> I know. I you know. just gotta take my it. My mom used to say that. All- the other one uh, my mom used to do all the time is if I ever said I was bored, like I can find something for you to I do. Come- yes, she used to do that all the time. Well, there's toilets to be cleaned in the bathroom. Well, there's. <laughs> it's like mom. <laughs> No, it's not why I said I was bored. Okay, I'll find something to do. <laughs> I used to hate that one as a kid, too. I don't know. It used to drive me nuts. Every time I would be like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. She's like, well, I can get something for you to do. <laughs> like, no, mom. Anyways, yeah. off topic. Do So you, you're thinking more along the lines of like a group that's adventuring currently and kind of parallels the party. Do we want them to be adversarial or not? Nah? I like the adversarial idea. I haven't done that before. How? Okay. See, I've never done this either. So I have to even think how the heck, how would I do that? Because I don't want, I wouldn't want it to seem like everything the party does, this adversarial group is there, you know, being an adversary to them. I feel like that would be kind of annoying and, you know, defeats the purpose of having this special group, you know, that you have a reoccurring theme because, you know, you can overdo it for sure. Would it be like a as part of like the big, the main storyline that was occurring? Like, are they doing something that's opposite of what the party wants to do with the main storyline? No, I kind of like the idea of maybe they're adversarial on side missions, and like maybe they kind of are like, be, maybe they eventually might need their help in the main campaign, and so maybe you make them an adversary, and then they would be a powerful ally if they eventually get to the point where they're like we can't do this on our own hmm see i because i never think i never think i never think they're downright evil i think it's purely like it's purely monetary in the terms of like hey we want to get this like the reward for turning in this mission type thing see i i think how i how i'd want to do it is i want it to start out that way where it's you know, you first meet them in an arena, right? Or something like that. We're there fighting at the arena, doing their thing. But I love the idea of over time, you start learning um, about, you know, something related to the big bad evil guy. Like there's an item that he's trying to find or there's, you know, you know, he's trying to awaken some monster or whatever, you know? And as you start uncovering these tracks, like maybe there's, I'm going to borrow a book out of my campaign just for a second. Maybe there's like six things that you're trying to collect, okay? And you've been introduced to this group that's, you know, been an adversary in small, menial ways, right? You go into arena, you fight them. They, you know, you get a quest to go hunt a monster. They've hunted a monster, you know, or are hunting it at the same time you're hunting it. And it's like a competition. I love those. I think those are great. But then I love the idea of, you know, oh, we need these six items to prevent blah, blah, blah from happening. And they go to get the first item and it's not there and it's gone, right? And over time, they start figuring out that, oh, no, this other group that, you know, has kind of been on our heels every once in a while has started getting these items in a negative way. Can I change this a little bit? Yeah, no, please. That's what it's for. Okay. So what I'm thinking, I like players being important in story development absolutely so i think depending on 
whether they just destroy this other party every single time or it is a to off again on again like oh they won this one we won the next type thing or if it's they win every single time i think there's a different result i think if they get destroyed every single time then they become like purely aggressive and vindictive to this to the main party but if it's like an off and on again thing maybe they're doing it to beat them now but they're not like like they're not evil they're just like hey they got told to grab these things why don't we grab them first and then maybe if it's like uh they always win maybe they don't grab them hmm i li- i like that i like that i like that little like element of you know change that could occur based on you know the actions of the party mm. and the you know reactions of this group based on you know successes and failures and things like that i like that a lot so i'm totally totally down with that kind of thing but i think the ultimate goal that I would like to establish, at least if we're going to use this route as a, as like a campaign partial idea is having them ultimately be trying to do something that the party does not want to occur. And I like the idea too, of maybe having a, a Lord like hire them or like a person that they, that they look up to or something or, or like hire them because like one of their items has been stolen and you just like have these like little hints here and there that all point to that. This group has been making advances to do something in the long run that is harmful to society or the world. Cause I think that could be really fun. And I think it would be fun to have, uh, you know, their employer have an item that's gone missing that, was stolen by these people. And so it's, you know, you just drop things here and there that have occurred over time that all kind of ramp up to a fun, like mid, a middle, um, like mid campaign boss type thing where you're fighting another adventuring party. That's like level 10 and you're level 10, right? I think that'd be really fun. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a reason why they're adversarial to the party? Besides, well, I, just... I, I think I think we already made it. So originally it was it was monetary, and then depending on how the relationship grows from there, whether they're kind or nice or whatever, I think it changes. But originally, what do you think it's they'd just be trying to do just adventure and make money. I think they all have their own reason. I think like one is trying to help their family. Like they they have like things that are outside of this bickering back and forth they have lives now you can really be super messed up in these by like having them be super super realistic like that and then um like having the the party fight them in like an end thing where like these guys were just trying to do this to you know save like their families you know like they were poor or whatever could be really fun too Mm mm-hmm so what do you want it to be? What do you mean? What do I want? What do I want them to be doing? No, do you want it to be super realistic and how there's like a sob story for everything? Or do you want it to be um, the kind of they are adventurers, so it doesn't need to be much deeper than that? Well, if I'm taking, you know, kind of what we've been talking about, I'd want them to be um, I'd want them to be not just adventurers. I think I'd want them to be, um, again, maybe starting out that way, but 
over time, you know, they're doing what they're doing to help save, you know, their family or their people or their, you know, or, you know, prevent certain situations from happening within their life. Like maybe, you know, one of them has some sort of, um, you know, outstanding debt to a crime organization that they're trying to fulfill. Maybe one has like a, you know, a, a young family or something that is struggling and, they all came together with the idea of helping each other, like lift each other out. And they end up getting stuck in like a situation where we have to do this. And maybe it could be fun that towards the end, they see that this is an issue that they're having and they even possibly join the party in stopping what they've created could be really fun too. So, you know, if we were going the route of like a ritual that summons some sort of creature, you know, maybe they were getting paid up a ton to do that. Maybe they did it and they saw the problem, the things that happened and occurred, and then joined the party to stop it or help the party stop it. Like maybe, um, you know, they prevent, they fight off a, a group of people so that the party can go stop the big bad evil guy, right? Or, you know, the mid bad evil guy. <laughs> um, it could be, I think that could be a really fun moment where this group has been opposing them this whole time. And then at the end, they realize that, oh man, this was a little bit more than what we were expecting and you know they changed their ways could be really fun or yeah you could just go straight up they're horribly evil and they this group was gaining money gaining renown and gaining gaining you know fighting the party at every step of the way because they ultimately are evil and wanted to do bad things you could do something like that too mm -hmm. do we want to flesh out these people or just more concepts I mean, it would take a long time to flesh out an adventuring party. Yeah, and we don't have that much time. Um, unless you want to do it as like lukewarm opens. Um, well, that could be think, that could be a fun lukewarm open to do. Like, um, make an adventuring party as part of our little series. Like, we make yeah players and characters. That could be really fun. Um, but anyways, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that could be a a fun concept for a campaign. I don't know if I'd want it to be the main big bad. Um, again, it, it's been done well in... Uh, what do you mean? I mean, it's been done in, well in TV shows and done well in um, you know entertainment, but... I mean, I don't, I don't think I ever wanted them to be the main big bad, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought I think of them be, that way. I think it could be a fun side thing that you, you have occurring. Do you... Here's another question, and this might be... Um, something that you don't like what if like oh and this could be super trippy but like what if there's a couple things i was thinking of what if like there were versions of themselves that they were fighting that could be really interesting could be very very interesting but um i don't know if i would like that for an adventuring party but that's a really interesting concept that i've never really played on either um or what if you like made them opposites of the party so like you had a wizard and like the opposite of wizard is like you know a barbarian or if you wanted to do magic out like a sorcerer or you know a fight you know like having these kind of weird differences that are um fun to play on and even maybe possibly turn it into fun little jokes here and there could be interesting mm. i think it's ultimately uh i don't think it's super um i don't know unless you have a story reason for them to be different i don't see i don't think it should be that way like if for them to be the opposite versions i i don't know i agree and disagree i think it could be fun as like a fun little not joke but 
you know, a fun little um, concept that could be interesting. Um, I mean, obviously you have you have to have limits on it, of course, but it could be fun to do something like that. Do you think? Um, no, it definitely could, but I, I think it would be fun to. It would be. It would need a reason for me. Yeah, I mean, and I couldn't like. I, couldn't I, I like of the a, idea of, of eventually having some sort of like a long um, time in the future, finding out that like for some reason someone's been trying to stop them from the very beginning. Like so early on, maybe they knew what was happening. And so they, instead of creating people exactly like them, they created their exact opposites, hoping that they would cancel out and be able to kill them. That could be very interesting and very, that could be a very unique um, concept. What about um, using character backstories? Have you ever, like, you could definitely um, put members of people's characters' backstories into this. Hmm? So, like, a, a character's like if you had a PC who had a, a rival in their backstory, you could throw that person in this adventuring group, and that could be very interesting. Or somebody mm-hmm. who they who there's like their sworn enemy or that they hate, that could be super interesting. Yeah, that That's would make I'm, it continually antagonistic from early on. Yeah, um, you could do you could do that, and that could be really fun. Um, you could do. Um, I mean, honestly, I even just like the the really simple, um, you know, they fight him in an arena and they just are reoccurring people that are participating in the same events that they do. I love that still. I think still think that's really fun. It's not really a main story element though, but that would be super fun too. I mean, I like too. Um, yeah. The reason I do like adventuring parties, at least for that kind of stuff, is it's very interesting to watch the party fight people with the same class and the same ability as them. And like CR kind of doesn't really matter at that point, right? Because it's like everybody's level 10, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like there's five level 10s versus five level 10s. And that's those are really brutal. Those are if people have never done that before, I highly recommend them. They're really, really brutal because uh, those are really, really gritty and close fights where like it almost always I mean, unless there's some sort of major strategy advantage, but there's almost always like really down to the wire fights i mean all of my champions clash fights that i did where it was you know they were level three i think and it was level threes versus level threes was just always like oh my gosh <laughs> this is really brutal <laughs> yeah. i even lost one my party even lost one in the beginning of champions clash where it's like and and the good thing about doing it in an arena too is like if your party gets tpk'd they don't really get TPK'd, you know? Like, <laughs> you can you can TPK your party all you want in those type of things. <laughs> oh, and it doesn't it doesn't matter too much. And I, that's the only time I've TPK'd a party, I think. Mm-hmm. So, this group, let's summarize what we have so far. Well, we have a group of, I don't want to say antagonistic at first, but adversaries that, First, kind of meet them in either an arena or like a a thieving mission or something like that, where the party is directly in competition with this adversary group. And maybe you have a person from a character's backstory that's in this group to maybe add a little bit of tension or a little bit of rivalry. Over time, this competition, um, depending on you know party choices, but turns into something a little bit more where they start noticing different clues and hints either during these competitions or outside of these competitions that point to 
this other group doing something that's like opposing what they are trying to accomplish. So whether that's stopping some sort of ritual or, um, you know, collecting powerful magic items or, um, you know, something like that. And every, Mm -hmm. like they go to find this powerful magic artifact and this group has already taken it and is using it for their own gain. And then eventually it boils down to the party in this adventuring group fighting each other over stopping, you know, something from occurring that um, could possibly be harmful to society. Maybe it's, you know, summoning a creature to, you know, appease an entity and make, you know, uh, save lives or, you know, anything like that. And it kind of turns into um, that kind of adversarial group. And then depending on, like, actions throughout the campaign, it could be fun to possibly have, if this group succeeds in, like, summoning a creature or whatever, they realize the errors of their ways and turn and fight. Or if they really hate the party, like, you know, maybe they've been, the party has really (laughs) been, like, super bad to them, then it turns into a fight before... um, you know, the party has to go fight this entity, which could be super fun. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to call it there for episode 86 of Dungeoneered. If you listen to us on any podcasting apps with ratings and reviews, uh, if you write a review, it really helps the show. Um, really shows that you're engaging in more ways than just one and kind of keeps us um, visible to instead of putting us way back in the catalogs. Um if you'd like to write to us, you can write to us at dungeoneered at hotmail.com. Uh, we'd love to have you write about anything. We'd love to hear uh, topic ideas or lukewarm open ideas or uh, just want to talk about something that we talk, created on the show. Like, we'd love to, to hear about it. Um, anything you can add, Aaron? Nope. Cool. Well, as I always say... Always remember to be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time. <laughs> I've had victory. I was determined to not have this be a problem. Victory is mine. That's all I have to say for now. Victory is mine. And bye. <laughs>